Welcome back to Trends in Low Places, a comedic exploration of the dumbest stories of the day. I am one of your hosts, Mike Cushing. And I am the um, Miracle on 34th Street to his... Uh, fuck, what's the other... Damn it, I fucked it up. Let me what's start the again. other Christmas movie? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. I am the... Just let me know when I get to be Kurt, the sexy Kurt Russell singer. Because obviously, Michael, I am. You know, you know that's me. That's the that's the ener- that's the Santa energy I exude. What's the other dumb Christmas movie that everyone watches? It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, while you were sleeping, I'm the It's the Wonderful Life to your 30, Miracle on 34th Street. There you go. Oh, man, because both Michael, of them you don't really suck. want oh, to watch. Right. You just but feel you obligated. do it because you feel obligated because like yeah. everyone does. Can I say this? Hmm. Michael, this may be my hottest take. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful life can get fucked. Oh, it sucks. I mean, I've never seen the whole thing. I've only seen like a couple um like scenes where Jimmy Stewart is doing Jimmy Stewart stuff. First of all, that was a Michael, can I say impeccable Jimmy Stewart impression and <laughs> well, I I'm Jimmy I Stewart. Hear- I'm going yeah, to no, Washington. Again, <laughs> again, like impeccable, hard I was like, "Whoa." The podcast flashed flash the Where fast. did all the money go? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, Michael, the, the best part of uh, It's a Wonderful Life is the SNL sketch with Dana Carvey yes. when they beat the shit out of uh, the banker guy whose mm-hmm. name I can't remember. Um, and, Michael, can I say this, too? Mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life can get fucked also. <laughs> I said It's a Wonderful Life twice, but I meant Miracle on 34th Street. I haven't actually seen that one at all. I've only seen parts of the remake from, like, the 90s? 2000s? Uh, and honestly, I actually do. I do like Miracle on 30 because there's a certain magic to that one mm-hmm. uh, that is just like the pure Santa, that pure good Santa, like put that in my veins magic. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, where it all relies on. And Michael, I mean, this should be close to to you and your family and your, you know, what you hold dear. It relies on the post office to save the day. And like in my experience, that's never worked out. And it, like it, for for such a mundane and like you know great government agency but like a really mundane part of my life to come in and save santa's ass like that's not doing anything for me like santa like michael santa very much like jesus should it should have and could have saved his own ass many times that's all i'm saying yeah but that doesn't make a good story listen twice now both michael santa and jesus have a lot in common most most weird mostly that's weird right mostly michael they both relied on government bureaucracies to save the planet yeah that is true roman government pontius Pilate had to come like jesus needed pontius Pilate to kill him through bureaucracy yeah and santa needed the post office yep and like like all great magical figures comes down to government saving the day once again I mean, if you look at it, Michael, all I'm saying is pay your taxes. <laughs> pay your taxes because otherwise you won't get any presents on Christmas. You won't get presents, but like eventually some magical figure, some magical creature is going to come down and be like, listen, I need I need you to save my ass. And then like libertarians are going to be sitting on the sidelines laughing smugly like, haha, I'm going down in flames happily. Taxation so is are you, theft. Are you saying Have fun. That, are you saying that it, uh, Miracle on 34th Street is just. Postman propaganda? propaganda, yeah, it's it's propaganda, Michael. Oh wow, yeah, that might be Postman. hotter than your "It's a Wonderful Life" can get fucked take, though. Yeah, and I don't. I again, Michael, this is a really half baked thing that I'm really now just exploring. I do not, Michael. Please don't get me wrong. I don't want to gloss over the fact that "It's a Wonderful Life" can get fucked. Can, six ways from Sunday. Oh yeah, just <laughs> like just anytime it can get fucked. Yeah, just fucking into the sun. 
Yeah. Don't want to hear about you. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it's, it's big government propaganda is it's, it's uh miracle on 34. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Santa is supposed to be magic. And mm-hmm. also we only have the post office in the United States. So yeah. like what, what does he do if he's like out in the middle of nowhere? Right. Does he like, does he call the Canadian Mounties or some shit? Like, I assume they also deliver mail in Canada. I don't know how they get moose mooses. I think they do. Yeah, they they catch criminals and deliver mail. That's yeah. what the Mounties do. It's it is weird though, Michael, in for Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street that it really does come down to a massive like retail store like employee having to choose between not wanting to pay taxes <laughs> and also believing in Santa <laughs> and being saved by big government. So like it really is a, a a morality tale on so many levels that you really don't think about. <laughs> They want you. They want you to think it's about the kid, but it's really about uh, Robert Barron's learning about the value of government. You know what, twenty twenty has done to my brain, broken it completely. Broken it completely. I was watching Paddington last night. <laughs> you message. <clears throat> you texted me about this, and you're just like, you guys know what you need to see, Paddington. Paddington. So like, I had heard, I had heard that it was actually pretty good, and like if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, it's one of the very few movies that is like both. It and the sequel are rated like 98% or 100% or some shit. Michael, hold on real quick, though. Yeah. In what way and from whom did you hear that you, uh-huh. a single unemployed, or not single, <laughs> married, <laughs> unemployed man, with hear no that kids. Paddington, yeah. no, with no kids, that's what I was going for, yeah. hear that Paddington was, quote, a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I had seen it on some like random movie sites, and I cu- I follow uh, several people who, uh, like review movies and and TV, but like not for like major outlets, just kind of because they like movies and TV. And so like I I, I discover weird shit all the time. And so I was like, I had been I had heard this a long ass time ago, and then and then uh, kid you not, uh, Spencer Hall. Okay. What uh, like he he made some tweet about how uh, with a with a gif from Paddington and was like, y'all, I haven't even seen the second one yet, but this movie is out there. And somebody was like, just you wait. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch Paddington. It's free on TBS right now. It it doesn't the movie doesn't make any sense, but in a great way. Like it is like one of those. It is like if Wes Anderson made a kids movie. Like, it's got very colorful and bright and, like, these really cool set pieces, but then it's also kind of like Dr. Seussian in that, like, it's not quite real, but it's not quite fake, kind of, it's not a cartoon, it's definitely live action, but it's very cartoony-ish in the way things happen. Anyways, but the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, Paddington shows up at the train station and no one wants anything to do with them, and they're like, oh, you just, well, guess we'll take you to a, a special home, and they're like, oh, you can't let bears move in, because then all of a sudden you have bears taking over the neighborhood, and I was like, oh, shit, this is like a a very good, nuanced take on, like, immigration in the UK. I wonder if they, I wonder if they did this on purpose. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the resistance Patty to Brexit. Paddington. So, Michael, that reminds me of two things. One, uh, a shower thought that I'm so glad you brought this up because this had completely <laughs> slipped my mind. I'm going to come back to it. Second one is that during COVID, I did rewatch the Matrix trilogy. Mm-hmm. And first of all, the first one movie, the first movie still slaps oh, ass. Yeah, that still movie amazing. is so good. Yep. Uh, the second and third one, still not excellent, but I will say those movies, all three of them hit so differently. Oh, yeah. N- after like 
the like 20 years later knowing that the Wachowskis have transitioned. Yes. It's like it is so full of like coded trans like message and like it's like oh these movies make a lot more sense for who these people were when they were making these movies and like that's great. Um, I actually hot take I enjoy the second one and the third one. The no, second one I, I, not as much as the third the third one is actually like it I feel like it wraps up the story in a decently reasonable I way. I will say that I I appreciated both of them more this time around yes. than I did when I cuz I think I saw the third one one time and I was like that sucked. I'll see you later. Um but the use one, of CGI say, I, is is egregious. Insane. <laughs> Egregiously bad. <laughs> I'll say I enjoyed them both more, and also it made me way more excited uh, for Matrix 4, yes. which should be coming out next summer if all things go according to uh, Keanu Reeves' master plan. Um, and I'm more excited, even with John Wick and everything else that Keanu Reeves has done in the last two years, I'm very excited for Matrix 4. Michael, my second thought, which is I think going to open up some interesting conversations, and I really want to tie this back to your point about Paddington being a, a nice allegory for uh, immigration <laughs> to the British Isles. <laughs> so, something I don't think what we've... I know you and I have talked about it, I don't think we ever brought it up on this show. Um, are you familiar with the Ranger in Time book series for kids? I am not, no. Okay. Um, let me read you a couple of uh, titles of these books. Give me uh, one second. While you're looking for those, I just want to say one more thing about Paddington. The main villain is Nicole Kidman in Paddington, and she plays the um, taxidermist at the National Museum of History or something like that in Britain, and she's basically trying to stuff Paddington. She's trying to okay, kill was... and stuff Paddington. So, like, the British Museum is the bad guy in that they in that they make fun of the fact that they would that like all the scientists like Darwin would basically go to a place, find a new species, and then immediately bring one back and kill it and stuff it to stick it in the museum. Okay, I mean that is okay, again, a pretty pointed right? commentary on British museums and imperialism. Yes. Michael, I think I need to watch these fucking things. I think movies. you need to watch Paddington. I'm gonna watch Paddington too tonight. I'm not leaving lying. I didn't realize okay. Well, Hmm. Um, okay, Michael, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a couple. Damn it, I'm now I'm obsessed with Paddington, but <laughs> this is gonna bring me back to an important point. Okay, so Ranger in Time. Yes, this is uh, so from book one. Here's the description: Meet Ranger. He's a time traveling golden retriever who has a nose for trouble. <gasps> he is a dog. I was like, Ranger sounds like a dog's name, and always saves the day. So Ranger has been trained as a search and rescue dog, but can't officially pass the test because he's always always getting distracted by squirrels during exercises. Mm. One day, he finds a mysterious first aid kit in the garden and is transported to the year 1850, where he meets a young boy named Sam Abbott. Sam's family is migrating west on the Oregon Trail, and soon after Ranger arrives, he helps the boy save his little sister. Ranger thinks his job is done, but the Oregon Trail can be dangerous, and the Abbots need Ranger's help more than they realize. So, high-level premise, Ranger in time. This dog travels through time and helps people, so it's like quantum he's, leap. He yeah, he's he's basically quantum airbud. Yeah, okay, for sure. I'm okay, so it. we got we got rescue on the Oregon Trail. Has then this been made danger, into any movies, children's or otherwise? Because I would like to see it. Not yet, oh. but I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna get to a point here, Michael. That um, I think this we have talked about, and I really want you to. <laughs> we're gonna get there. One second, okay. So uh, then, danger in ancient Rome. He goes back mm. to ancient Rome. Obviously, has saved the day. Um, Long road to freedom, uh, where he goes. This one gets a little dicey. Mm. Uh, goes to a Maryland plantation during the days Oof. of American slavery. Helps a girl escape. Okay. Okay. 
you know, okay. Whoa. You're getting in some dicey territory, <laughs> Ranger, but, you know, I appreciate you being willing to help out. Yes. Lend a paw. Uh, race to the South Pole. Okay. That's, that's a, that seems okay. like a fun adventure. Okay. Okay. Helping okay. Robert Falcon Scott's ship. Okay. That's great. Yeah. But didn't like, like half the people die? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people died, Michael. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's... A lot of people died. Okay. Then he goes to Viking Age Iceland. Then he does they uh, the great in Viking Age. I feel like he, that he would almost be like a, um like a god there. Michael, everyone. I mean, first of all, time traveling dog is a god anywhere he goes. That's that, true. I mean, for, That's a good point. For, as, as far as my money goes, he's great. If he shows up uh, here, I'm worshiping that dog. That's fine. Okay. So then, um, San Francisco earthquake. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, meets a a young uh, Chinese immigrant girl to America, um, who wants to be a doctor. Helps her out. That's fine. Um. Then he goes to D-Day. Oh, like the actual, like, like the beach landing, the beachhead of D-Day. He finds himself, quote, in the middle of one of the fiercest battles of World War II. Jesus. At which point he meets Leo, a Jewish boy who's hiding with a local farmer, and Walt, a young African-American soldier fighting to free France from the Nazis. Um. Okay, so we're getting progressively more and more into some, like, I don't know if Ranger is causing some issues or just kind of arriving on the spot <laughs> that is always the question okay michael um so th- that we're up to book seven now i'm gonna say i'm gonna tell you books eight nine and eleven this so you want to guess i assume this dog is immortal at this point he must be okay um i mean or at least very well i mean honestly actually these books are written i think on a, like a eight-year time frame so he's he's still within the, the lifespan of a golden retriever <laughs> just, very active just the worst fucking life ever because he goes through every major disaster okay michael do you want to guess after d-day mm. any and so d-day there are 12 12 ranger books so far um so from eight to 12 do you want to guess any place where ranger shows up Nine eleven. 9-11 is book 11, Escape from the Twin Towers. And everything, every other book has a full paragraph description. This one just says, all capitals in italics, courage in the face of danger. Mm. That's it. Mm. Um, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is the most recent and 12th book. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. I got two. Um, the first Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> okay so <laughs> book eight is hurricane katrina rescue oh hurricane katrina that is and then disaster on the titanic titanic and okay and then uh book 10 and it's get- in between i don't really want to consider how the dog gets off the boat like women and children first and also definitely this time traveling dog <laughs> definitely this time traveling golden retriever actually take him first he's our most valuable citizen mm-hmm. Um, so in between those two is weirdly, um, he goes to the Revolutionary War just before the Battle of Trenton. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever. Not interested in that one. Yeah, fuck off. But Michael, so Hamilton did it, it better. At a certain point, one has to con- contend with the fact that Ranger is just showing up at the worst possible moments in time. And a cynic would say that this author is just throwing a kid's book dog into these moments. Now, this, so this is, the, we were going to talk about this a year and a half ago, I think. This might have been on or, a deleted episode. Or it's the consequence of the time travel that is causing all of these events. Right. This dog is the herald of doom. Yeah. Like, like, frankly, I'm, I don't think a, a ranger in time book has come out in 2020. Yeah, he is basically a cryptid that only shows up to, <laughs> like, 
basically open up a seal to like the devil's prison. Um, but so I will say, oh, so wait, we there is no 13th pr- book. There's no 13th oh, book yet. Oh, Lord. And I, frankly, Michael, I don't care to read that book. It's 2020 I don't for know, sure. I don't want to know what, what like seal or horn this dog blows just to be like, <laughs> really summon the devil. When did they start the, this book series? It came out shit. Okay, so she's actually been very prolific. Ranger in Time, Rescuing the Oregon Trail came out January 6, 2015. Wow. So, so th- these books are written books. by Kate Messner. So 12 books in less than five years. That's or five and a half years. Pretty great. Okay, I'm not um, going to look. I'm, I'm just going to say the world started getting awfully bad in 20 at the end of 2016, which is shortly after she started writing these books. So I again, I don't want to necessarily absolve Ranger of of all of this very bad work that he's clearly been wreaking havoc on the timeline. But he is, by definition, a good boy. I mean, he has to be a good boy. Yeah, I mean, I mean frankly, he can't not be a good boy. So, fr- I mean, I mean, he first of all, he has saved a lot of people. Apparently, yeah. he's escaped from the Twin Towers. He helped runaway slaves get away and start new lives. That's Ranger's a good boy. He's a good boy. Let's. He, he, you can be a good boy and a harbinger of doom. Like that's just <laughs> not his. Fault. Like the, those two are not mutually exclusive. So what was he? Um, he found a magic. What now? Uh, first aid kit. A magic first aid kit. Yeah. That is very suspicious. That is exactly the type of time traveling device that an evil person would use to trick a good person into being a harbinger of doom and also creating havoc. Yeah. So, and here's where I defend it. And Michael, here's the shower thought that it led me to. And really, it was a dog walk thought that I was thinking about. Okay. So, so obviously people were... Oh, maybe a little upset at Kate Messner, the author, for, hey, what the fuck are you doing, <laughs> you know, capitalizing off of tragedy with your dumb dog books? So her response, and I actually really, my initial thought, Michael, obviously was to make ruthless fun of these, this book series. Of course. But, so, I'm going to read a, a Twitter thread. Um, because, I mean, frankly, again, this dog seems like a a bad, a good boy, but a bad dog. Yeah. You know? You know what I'm saying? Um, okay, so bad for Messner. bad for the world and its existence. Yeah, but like, like a good boy. Jumping through time clearly has unintended consequences, and clearly this bad boy has done this good boy has done a lot of bad work. Yes. So okay, so I've been getting questions lately from people who are just hearing about the Ranger and Time series. This is from February 28th, 2020, which again auspicious Ooh, fucking boy. timing, Kate. Ugh. She probably has <laughs> an unfinished manuscript about like. She probably was like, you know what I'm going to try to do? I'm going to write a future book so people don't get angry at me. And it was about a terrible I'm just virus. I'm going to call it uh, Ranger in the Wuhan Flu. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Getting a lot of questions from people who are just hearing about the Ranger in Time series. So here's a thread about that, including the newest title, Escape from the Twin Towers. So this came out February 2020. Um, I've written more than 30 books for kids, and these have been the most popular by far. The combination of a heroic dog coupled with interesting history and lots of action has a way of engaging even kids who don't always love reading. Anyway, I spend a lot of time visiting schools to talk with kids about books and writing. At one of the first schools I visited after the series, uh, series launched, a second grader raised her hand and said, could you please write a Ranger in Time about 9-11? These kids were born years after 9-11, don't have the memories that we do as adults. To them, it's an awful thing that happened in history, like Pearl Harbor is to many of us. They want to know more about it, and adults don't like to talk about it, so kids are left wondering. So this book series is a way to introduce them to traumatic events that have shaped the world that they live in. So 
Fuck, that's too good to make fun of. Too good to make fun of. But Michael, here's where I can make fun of it. Why the fuck didn't the Berenstain Bears talk about the impacts of trickle-down economics? <laughs> yeah, like, where were, where were they? Yeah. Where were they when Reagan was raping the, the entire, just, system? Yeah, like, if the boxcar children had solved the Cuban Missile Crisis, hey, guys, that's great. You, yeah. you, you did more than find some kids missing lunchbox. That's awesome. Yeah, like, Mason the Hardy Boys, were just, they were just solving mysteries about, like, them, their missing toys or some shit. Yeah. Great great job, Nancy Drew. Hey, Scooby-Doo, you found a capitalist wearing a mask. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I I really could have used some knowledge about Iran-Contra. <laughs> like, I could have used that information. I have no context for that shit. Because, again, adults don't like to talk about it. And our generation, I am now learning, has been failed by our kids' books. Yeah. I didn't learn anything from kids' books. Yeah. Michael, clearly Paddington... Can tell mess can teach us messages even as a high you know adult, yeah, or an adult. I just I don't need to qualify it in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Kids' movies and books have messages that I think our generation did not get because our generation was fueled almost exclusively by selling action figures. That is that is true. Like if you think about the even the Disney movies that we had when we were younger, like what we were talking about like Pocahontas and like Little Mermaid and. Beauty and the Beast and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we had Lion King, I guess, which was had a little bit of a message. I mean, that, that's because it was based on a Shakespeare right. <laughs> like, play. Like, that's the only uh, reason. But like now they got they got things that are actually like good and like teach you real things and, and that adults want to see. Yeah. Which I think is the thing. I think I think as we got older and started having kids, they were like, oh, fuck those kids. Let's keep making stuff for those people. But like also that they can take their kids to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Michael. Even uh, so, I'll, I'll. This is a derailment, but watching the Mandalorian season two, not without spoiling it, my okay. First of all, we did talk about uh, Baby Yoda being a war criminal now, and now I guess he has a name at this point. <laughs> oh, um, I have not seen the last couple episodes, so I'm just gonna say, yeah, he he has a name. It is Baby Yoda. Everyone just calls him Baby Yoda. <laughs> um, but like my initial thought after is like, oh, great. Now I need to watch 150 hours of cartoons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because this show is drawing from all the lore you did. And like, again, if the Babysitter's Club talked about the Pentagon tapes, like or P- Pentagon Papers, like, it would have been so useful for me as a 12-year-old. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Because now as an, like, as an adult, I have to go back and find that shit. I'm like, oh, like the Mandalorian, it's like, okay, well, I could have used all this information and lore that is useful to my worldview now that I'm interest- I'm faced with an interesting character. Had I had I known this character in Act One rather than Act 15, I'd be pre- I'd be better prepared as a human being. Yeah, that's my main problem with the Mandalorian, is I don't know which parts I'm supposed to know who these people are and who in which parts I they're just new people that are introduced because they do not cover it at all. But I assume that everything has happened in a comic or cartoon that I do. Did not watch. And that's 100%, 100% accurate. <laughs> but Michael, I do want to say, I think I need, I really need you to play more in the space of like Berenstain Bears and Mutually Assured Destruction with me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, um, I was watching Boss Baby, the TV show, not the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually had a really good episode about like competition on, and capitalism. Wait, wait, and I was like, this is really advanced for like the kids who should be on. watching Boss Baby. 
I just hold on a second. I I need to comment on how quickly I was just like, yeah, you were watching Boss Baby, Obviously. the TV show, not the movie. My niece, my niece loves it, so I was watching, and I was like, well, I I'll just do something else while she's watching this, and then I was like, I I found myself pulled into the Boss Baby storyline about um how like you know competition breeds bad behaviors amongst corporations and how they should you know it should be more about the greater good and less about like just winning and i was like oh well hey boss baby thank you welcome to the resistance um (laughs) but like the thing is you can't trust the berenstein bears because no one even like there's still the whole thing about how it's spelled and and how they just changed it sometime and they won't admit it even though we all remember it so like maybe they are teaching us a very valuable lesson but it will not come out for a while is all I'm saying. Okay, I mean that's a great point because maybe what is that the um, Mandela effect with Berenstain Bears? The Mandela known as how to spell it. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, there was a um, there was a, a recent X Files with the like Men- Mangala effect where they they kept calling it the Mandela effect and the guy would correct them and be like, "Wow, you guys are really weird. It's the Mangala effect." and so they were like creating a Mandela effect about him. And anyways, don't worry about that it. That feels a little on the nose, X Files. I don't know what you're trying to do there. It oh, was like, one I'm of just their, saying like, fun, like one-off episodes that was absolutely tremendous because it didn't have to go along with their weird, like overarching story that never made any sense. Okay, I mean th- those are the best X Files episodes, um, Michael. I'm just, I'm just saying, I could have done with a goosebumps about the Salt Two Treaty, like. I was obsessed with JFK and what happened to him. I found some old newspapers under my parents' bed. If there had been literally any kids show that even touched on the JFK assassination, I would have been obsessed with that. I would have watched it a billion times. I would have watched an entire series about a a like time traveling like Yorkie that somehow stops the JFK assassination. Okay, now I'm just really thinking about like bonkers or tailspin going super into like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, that see, <laughs> I didn't understand the Cuban Missile Crisis until I was an adult. I feel like I would have understood it much better if like the Chippendales were teaching me about it. Like, where's Scrooge I mean, McDuck teaching me about you know communism or something? I mean, he wouldn't necessarily um actually they did try to teach us a lot of stuff about communism but about how it was bad and we should literally murder anyone we thought was a communist yeah and i mean michael that wisdom holds true today (laughs) just as much as (laughs) i will say i think i learned about the the cuban missile crisis mostly and i'm gonna say i learned about it uh the 2000 uh film uh 13 days starring kevin costner and uh i'm gonna say i learned about it in that i was so distracted from the entirety of the movie by kevin costner's horrible boston accent that i couldn't pick up on anything (laughs) kevin costner is the best at having the worst worst. Yeah. Like in decent movies, he will just for some reason, he'll be like, this is how I talk. And they'll be like, no one would talk like that. He's like, I don't give a fuck. And you know, no one would, but I do. So I guess someone does. What's up? I'm Kevin Costner. Waterworld is an underrated movie, too. Very underrated. Okay, I don't I don't think we have time to unpack that. I will say, though, <laughs> Michael, similar. You sent me a, a movie. Uh, like a, a Waterworld also of- has a very good message about how we need to protect the Earth, by the way. And also, really weirdly, I don't know why I know this, but led to Kevin Costner developing, no joke, propri- proprietary technology to clear the ocean of of uh, plastic garbage. 
And he owns it and has a company that he puts these things out into the middle of the ocean and it clears up plastic. Um, I will say, though, Michael, you sent me a list of here the, the best movies of 2020 ranked. Uh, and it was 10 movies. Uh-huh. And all of them yep. were, Mandy were Mandy starring yes. Nick Cage. Yes. Um, and have you seen uh, I sent it? this to my, I have not seen it yet, but I, I will say I, similar to the Kevin Costner point you, we just made, I sent this to my, uh, former mate Kyle, um, just because one, he, he's he a big movie the, fan. I say he does the podcast. About right. Uh, he, too, yeah. he does a podcast called K. Have you seen where they go through new movies? It's great. You should check it out. Um, but he pulled out a quote from her that really stuck out to me too. And I think is appropriate quote from the article. A lot of people tend to think of Nick Cage as a bad actor because of, well, some of the acting he's done. (laughs) And to me, I think very much like Kevin Costner, the amount of bad acting that Nick Cage has done really just highlights the range that he has as an actor. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is it's it's not like they hire him to play like normal everyday characters and then he plays them in a weird way like. They hire Michael, are you him sure? To... Yeah. I, mean... I think that might be the case now. I think for a very long time, people were hiring Nick Cage to do normal actor shit. And then he just showed up and was like, sorry, <laughs> really? you might have. Like what? You might have not. I think, Michael, I think have he you was seen raising like... Arizona. There was no way that was supposed to be a normal human being person. But that was Michael. But that's the thing. He won an Oscar for that exactly. one. So I think they were like. Wow, this guy did. He has such range. He made such an inspired choice. And then after that, they're like, "Okay, now give us some of that, mm, that range, that magic that you have deep in your bones." And he's just like, "No, I'm kind of always just the guy from Gone in sixty seconds in the scene where I just flick my fingers around and freak out." Matchstick Men. He was supposed to play a borderline normal person. And I think he pulled it off. But like, they hire him for things like The Wicker Man or Face Off. Or Con Air. Like, you expect him to play those people like normal people. The story doesn't make any fucking sense. It's insane. So he plays it like an insane person. And yet, Michael, everyone else in the movie Face Off, specifically John Travolta, played that one earnestly. Like, exactly. like this is a thing That's that can the happen. the beauty of it, though. If everyone else is playing it earnestly, Nick Cage can play it like an insane person and it works 100% of the time. Right, I'm just, I'm, I think I'm just finding, before, we have so many more stories that we actually no, can that. get to, but, yeah, I mean, I don't want to at this point. I'm just saying, again, this is, Michael, this one's for us. <laughs> We've talked about before, it's like, I'm just happy to talk to you, and like, even the, the show doesn't go out, this is for us. Fuck it. Um, I, I find fault in your thesis that people want it, like, producers and directors wanted that from Nick Cage, like, I would say in, like, the, the late 90s, early 2000s. I think for, at a certain point, they were like... This guy's a box office draw, dynamic actor. He's gonna he's gonna fit the role that we want, and then he just shows up and does Nick Cage shit, and everyone's like, "Oh fuck!" And I think that's what led him to having to sell a castle and like a T Rex back to a museum. So I just, like, <laughs> just I do not understand. Have you have you ever seen a movie with Nicolas Cage where he acts like a normal person? So why would you hire him to play a normal person? I thought the I thought the one where he stole the uh, Declaration of Independence he was pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most normal that Nick Cage has ever been. Michael, I will like, I, that's I will like say people hiring me to be a good employee. It's like I keep telling people that I'm not, and they keep hiring me and then being like, "Why aren't you a good employee?" It's like because I told you at the beginning I was not going I to be. Told you up front that this was who I am, <laughs> Michael. Actually, you know what? Into the Sp- Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, where he played a uh, cartoon noir like detective. 
that was pretty like and you know that's how i would have reacted if i was a 1920s like shadow person actually that was like, pretty that was a very understated he played that probably the, well he all oh, my, michael i did not realize he just made a movie in 2006 just called just called the world trade center where <laughs> he's he made a bad mustache he's made 110 movies I'm shocked it's not double that. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I'm shocked it's not more than that. He hasn't had a year where he made less than... He hasn't made less than, like, four movies in a year since 2013. (laughs) The rare counterpoint to quality, not quantity. He was in... In 2008, he was in Bangkok Dangerous, and that is the last year that he made a single movie in a single year was 2008. I mean, Michael, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say again, and this goes back to the government really kind of being a thorn in the side of our of history's greatest figures. Paying taxes is a real pain in the ass, and sometimes you just need to make a lot of shit movies to make a lot of money, so you can pay your fucking back taxes. Just, just listen, just listen to this, though. I'd listen. rather not, but I'm so excited to hear what you have to say. Guarding Tess, it could happen to you. Leaving Las Vegas, The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, City of Angels, Snake Eyes, 8mm, Gone in 60 Seconds, The Family Man, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Wind Talker's Adaptation, Max Men, National Treasure. I mean, that is, that is, I just named basically all of those movies were in a 10 year period. Tell me anyone else who has that many watchable and rewatchable movies. Michael, I'm not going to lie, the dude has like a, a full murderer's row of of films but in that same period <laughs> i'm just gonna pick out one that he did werewolf women of the ss where he played a character called fu manchu <laughs> he was like, in a martin sorry. scorsese movie a brian de Palma movie a joel schumacher movie john woo michael bay man then the late 90s and early 2000s were insane for movies michael i i, I don't think again though and also, frankly... Okay, he was in a segment called Werewolf Woman of the SS in Grindhouse, which is a tremendous uh, Fair. movie compilation thing. Okay, but he did also star in the mainstream reboot of the Left Behind series as, <laughs> as the main character, Rayford Steele. So, like, and actually, I do kind of want to watch it to see how he played it, because if if he's playing just an insano version of that character who's just like, whoa, rapture, time to find God... Oh, Antichrist! Do you do you remember our original idea for a podcast before we ended up on El Duel? Maybe no, maybe I don't. We were going to do an actor of the month, where we were going to do That's right. We were going to cover like four different movies for a particular actor, and it's it it started because we were talking about like Rocktober. Right, we were like Kjuary. We were going to do one, and the very first movie that I pirated. To watch so that we could do that show was left behind. Okay, so maybe Michael, I think there needs to be a Christmas special of Trends in Low Places where you and I do a live commentary of Left Behind. That I mean, and Curtis too. I think Curtis needs to be there. Yeah, I mean, like so that we owe it to everybody, mostly to ourselves. Michael, do you want to talk about a story or are we like Nick Cage is the king of movies? <laughs> if you want, if you want to get drunk and watch a movie and not be disappointed. You can almost pick any Nick Cage movie that is on on any streaming service for free and you will it'll it'll fit the bill. That's all I'm saying. There are two I would say Nick Cage and Statho. Jason oh, State, oh yes, hundred percent. Like if you are drunk, high, whatever, and you just want to have a, a nice, sensible time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you you put some Statho on your TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
it's it's gonna be stupid and fun. State though is like state though is like a, a punchy Nick Cage. And I think again, I like this has been he's also I think the only actor at this point who has never done a kids movie or a com- like like a true like he's done comedy, <laughs> but like he's he's always just Jason Statham kick boy. Yeah. Like that's it. Exactly. So stories Michael, I guess we gotta go, Michael. If we're we're on movies, we're talking about the the hot new films of the summer and the season. Yeah. Um, I think you, I think you know where we're going with this. I don't. The hottest film. Paddington. It's full of sedu- full of seduction. No, oh. not Paddington. Oh, the hottest film. It hasn't come out yet. It comes out. It'll be out by the time this releases. It comes out on December thirteenth, I believe, which is so Monday. it'll definitely definitely be out. Yeah, Th- Michael, this one. Michael, the rate we're going with editing, this one might come out February. That is true, because we do have one that we did record, but we have not edited in two weeks. I'm going to say three, three baby. Weeks. I think it's three weeks. Yeah. So, like, it's not the recording. Yeah, I'm not really finding where the gap is. In re- like, it's weird. What the, yeah. Where's the problem here? We recorded it, and it did not get out. So, I have Michael, to blame you know- our editor and production assistant. Which is Ranger in Time, the oh. Golden Retriever. Oh my God, he's been gone Damn for it. weeks. Uh, he's man, he might never come been. back. Michael, this is what we get for hiring a, go- a dog. Yeah, I don't care how smart and how successful he is. Anyway, Michael, hit me with that sweet, sweet film. The film that everyone, everyone is talking has everyone's about. tongues tingling. It's just oh, it's tingling with all eleven herbs and spices. So, you know, and everyone has probably seen the variety of KFC commercials with different Colonel Sanders. I think there was a, a uh, the weird uh, guy who, who's way too tan, George Hamilton or some shit. I yep. think we had like a uh, Jim Gaffigan. Had some Gaffigan, had a Norm MacDonald. Norm MacDonald. Well, I would say any any mid 2000s comedian has so far been <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Well, now and we have. A KFC Lifetime Movies collabo called A Recipe for Seduction, where Colonel Sanders will be played by teen heartthrob and current adult heartthrob, Mario Lopez, AC Slater. Let's just get it out of the way right now, because everyone's already said it. Everyone's already tweeted it. KFC Slater. KFC Slater. Um, So good. How does Mario Lopez look exactly the same as he did in Saved by the Bell, by the way? Like, honestly, it uncannily, like, they just, like, this does look like A.C. Slater. They just put, like, gray hair dye and, like, they put a bad mustache and beard on him. He looks exactly the same down to the amount of muscles. Yeah, like, he's, I've never seen a, like, The Rock in 10 years has gotten twice his his size. For sure, yeah. Like, The Rock is, is massive. Like oh, 2020 yeah. rock is is gigantic compared to 2010. Oh yeah, rock. I see some it's, of the old wrestling things or when he was at Miami and I'm just like that's a baby rock. He's a tiny uh, boy. A literal a literal baby rock. Yeah. Um and Mario Lopez has, has been the same size, same. literally the exact same muscle mass, same everything, same handsomeness since 1993, which is and I insane. don't know how that's possible. I, I just don't know how he, it's like Michael. It's, I gained four almost, pounds every day. It's almost <laughs> scary that he played a teenager when he was on Saved by the Bell because he looks exactly the same now. So it's almost like when I think about Saved by the Bell, I just imagine a very old adult Mario Lopez as the teenager, which makes it even worse. 
The weird thing is that um, Zach Morris also kind of like he also kind of looks the exact same. <laughs> the only one who has actually demonstrably changed and gotten worse is Screech. Dustin Diamond is <laughs> like a real dumpster person, and he looks he always was and looks like it now. Um, He's aged more than Mister Belding has. Oh, I mean, to be fair, Mister Belding didn't have a lot of places to go. No, but you know he just okay. Let's get back to this movie. I mean, Kelly Kapowski looks pretty good still, though. She looks great. She looks great. She was on one of those uh, TBS shows. Uh, yeah, Michael. Here's the thing. Yeah, they've done a lot of they've done a lot to weirdly amp up the Colonel. Oh, there was an anime like a sexy anime Colonel. There's the date Colonel Sanders like dating game that I think we talked about. There's a Rob Lowe Colonel Sanders. Reba McIntyre was like a weird. Oh, not yeah. a, Reba McIntyre was like it's like okay, Colonel, I'm into this Colonel. I like you. Um, I don't know that we needed to be like, hey, but what if the Colonel fucked? And what if everybody wanted to fuck the Colonel? Yeah, here's the thing: is I feel like they're just answering the questions that everyone was already asking. It's like, what if the Colonel fucked? What if the Colonel fucked? Like, what if KFC were to come to life as a human piece of sexuality? How exactly would they embody the 11 herbs and spices as they fucked? I think is what most people were thinking when they started doing this new Colonel thing. Like, I assume that's what you were thinking, because that's what I was thinking, obviously. I was like, hey, every time I see a new Colonel, I'm like, hey, what about this Colonel fucking? Well, I was going to say, if, if you're going to go to that point, why not just do like a KFC Pornhub or KFC OnlyFans of like 11 inches of herbs and, herbs and spices um, and just like really slang that thing. So like that's that too, way I know no, the that's Colonel not, can. That's, you're not going to reach the masses that way. Uh, you're going to reach who matters, I think. Michael, <laughs> here, but here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, because the, the people who are on Pornhub already know about Michael? KFC. You're trying to reach the you're trying to reach the lifetime movie channel people this is a different 50 shades of gray style right but here's here's my question michael when was the last time you went to kfc i really wanted a chicken sandwich like back in like 2009 yeah but then you went to popeye's so it's been probably (laughs) since 2000 (laughs) i would guess (laughs) they came out they came out with those like little chicken snacker sandwiches sometime when we were in college and i think i went there the snackers were good the snackers were good i'll say this though michael who is this for it's for the ladies man mario lopez is hot with older women i'm not gonna lie he is on anytime you have a tv show that needs a man who want who is gonna be watched by older women it is mario lopez and carlton either one michael i i don't want to I don't want to debate the fact that Mario Lopez is a real choice cut of beef. Like, no, or cut of chicken in this in this case. <laughs> no, like, Mario Lopez is a hot dude. No, we get that. Who is this from a, Michael, this is the marketer in me. Who is this for? Because, like, your core constituent, your core KFC constituent, like, the dudes who have been there, the dudes and ladies who have been there for years and years, who are, like, would kill themselves. To crank themselves to chick with chicken grease to a eleven inches of herbs and spices Pornhub or OnlyFans account, like the the your rider dies if you will, like they don't need this, and this honestly might turn them off because they're like, I don't need that. I need my old sexy Colonel who is dead. 
I see. I think it's I think it's perfect because like you're getting the people who would not normally watch Lifetime to watch Lifetime because they're like, all right, let's see some but, let's keep, let's see some KFC grease on grease action. But then you also get the crossover where now people are exposed to KFC as not just like a greasy, like fast food chicken restaurant, but as a sexy, sexy greasy. drumstick. Mario Lopez's drumstick kind of place. You know what I'm saying? Now you get movie tie-ins. Maybe you have you have cutouts of Mario Lopez when you walk into the KFC. What ladies right, aren't going to walk in there? Which men aren't going to want to walk in there and be like, hey, I want to just take a picture with AC Slater here? Grease okay, him okay, up. My, okay, so now it's just every trendy bar with an Instagram like neon signs. Like, oh yeah, we got our Mario Lopez cutout. This only seems like a, a, a win for Lifetime. <laughs> I don't... This is not a win for KFC. I mean, Michael, am I gonna go get KFC? Am I gonna yes. get a, a snacker? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Obviously, because what I'm if a fatty. they call it? What if they call it the Mario Lopez is a snack snacker? I'm gonna get that. If, if they did, honestly, if if they just had a, a oops, the Colonel's <laughs> hot now box, and like I was like, okay, yeah, great, I would actually like lean into it because, like, frankly, Michael, if any brand needs to get away from their plantation owning fucking like mascot and to be like just a Actually, he was just a cook to a like he was a chef for like a conniving southern family who likes to fuck and cook chicken. <laughs> like, okay, that's a rebrand I can get behind personally. Like that's that's a reimagining of a brand that I like. It, didn't they stop calling it for Kentucky Fried Chicken? Like this article says Kentucky oh, yeah, Fried Chicken, but it's just, it's just it's KFC. Just KFC, KFC. Now, right? It's just KFC. Now. Yeah. I'm just all I'm saying is they have done so much work in the last couple of years. Like they have a DC comic line for Colonel Sanders. There are the romance novels. They made the Everything logs. Everything we've talked about. The, the logs yeah, that smell the, like KFC. The the food or the which, uh, the, the crossover it, with the so, um, so mad we didn't the clothing get that. company. The clothing company. All I'm saying is, is KFC not still owned by like the Pizza Hut Yum Brands people? Is it not Pizza Hut KFC? It is. Yeah, it's still Yum. Taco it's Bell. KFC Pizza and Taco Bell. Yeah, for sure. The Holy Trinity. Michael, all I'm saying is, I don't need. To fuck Colonel Sanders to want KFC. No, you need just Colonel need Sanders K- to fuck you. That's why it's Mario Lopez. That's a uh, well. That's a great point. That's, Michael. Hmm. Now I'm rethinking the whole. Wow, you really patented. I'm me just there. saying. Here's the thing. <laughs> you you uh, you uh, you said when I when I jokingly said I thought about getting a, a chicken sandwich and you said I went to Popeyes. That's the thing. Is Popeyes is hot right now, right? Because they got Cause the sandwich. Because it's, it's Popeyes. Everyone loves well, Popeyes. It's also good chicken, and maybe that's something they should focus Terrific. on at KFC. No, they know they know they're not going to compete with the chicken. They do not. They at those <laughs> we prices, we can't on compete that. on that. The, and then, like you got, you got who's the other chicken though? Kush, who's the big player in the chicken space? Purdue. No, man, fast food. <laughs> Zaxby's that we can get outside of the Wendy's. Chick Fil A. Oh, what right. is the exact opposite of Chick Fil A chicken? It is chicken that fucks. Chicken that fucks. Because Chick Fil A chicken does not fuck. Everyone knows Chick Fil A chicken does not fuck. It actually purposely does not fuck. Exactly. So yeah. hmm. KFC is like, look, can't compete on the chicken, but our chicken does fuck. Fucks. <sighs> Michael, just from a marketing perspective, the amount of people who are interested in chicken that fucks versus chicken that is good in my mouth and have money to pay for chicken that is good boy it's such a thin sliver that they're going after with this mario lopez and i'm not michael i'm not mad because 
frankly, I mean, I love it. Uh, and again, he looks so good in this mustache. <laughs> I, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I have not wanted to try KFC in. We I just think, talked about it. I think I remember. No, I remember very specifically. We were in the car uh, for Curtis's wedding. I was in the car with all the groomsmen and one of his groomsmen made some mention about how he tried the KFC double down because it was shortly after the KFC double down came oh, out. Yeah. And we were like, tell us everything about this sandwich because I'm so curious, but I do not want to go to get it. But so I'm Michael- going to go to KFC now. So it is weird. So the double down came out in 2013, yep. I think. Um, Sounds around right. there. Yep. The, 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 the uh, Pat Oswald, like famous, like sadness bowls, sadness I think it was bowl, like yes. 20, 2007. So they were focused on like making the most ridiculous. Okay. To your point. Making the most ridiculous food for their sad sack current audience. Well, yeah. I mean, they were and like, then, they were the Taco Bell of chicken. Obviously. So this article I did find was that they hired a new ad agency, um, Weedon and Kennedy, who said in 2015. Your, your chicken isn't sexy enough. So in 2015, <laughs> right after the, the double down came out, they're like, listen, <laughs> you can put together some some messes some night some chicken nightmares we all know we all have faith you can put together we know these you can do it horrendous abominations before god mm-hmm. but what if the colonel fucked <laughs> and look look it's not going to be a quick overnight journey from from down home colonel sanders to colonel's colonel fucking it's not going to be it's going to be a long road and we want you to stick with us it's going to take five but, years, but we are going to get guarantee, this colonel to fuck. I, have a f- I have a five-year plan. We have a five-year plan for the colonel to fuck nonstop. <laughs> and guess what? They did it. We fucking did it. <laughs> they did it. Michael, speaking of movies that I can't get out of my head, I read a headline earlier um, that is just from, it's from Pajiba.com. Quote, Charlize Theron wants to give us lesbian diehard. I read this an hour ago, and I have not stopped thinking about it. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but I am I down to find out, especially if Charlize Theron is involved, because she just makes bangers. I don't know what it means, mostly because like Die Hard is not necessarily a very like heterosexual movie in any way. Like I, his wife is there for sure, but like so tangential. Like she's basically a plot device to get him into the tower. It is, but it's also very like a toxic masculinity kind of movie where it's like, don't make fun of my like manliness and I'm going to walk over glass and blah. I would say the relationships between Reginald Val Johnson and Alan Rickman have way more emotional heft and depth than. Well, yeah, but that's, that's still a gay diehard and not a lesbian diehard. Right. But again, though, it's just, it's just, a, it's just diehard. But I'm more, okay. So lesbian diehard, great. The, so this came from a tweet where uh, this term is called uh, Francis O on Twitter. Lesbian Christmas rom coms are all well and good, but what I really want is a diehard where Charlize, Charlize Theron goes on a rampage to save her wife, and uh, then Char- Charlize retweeted it with, uh, "Where do I sign?" <laughs> Which I'm in. Like I'm in. The old guard sold me on any like oh, any 100%. ass that Char- any ass that Charlize wants to kick in whatever like gender identity or like sexual orientation that she wants to do like I'm in yeah. she can kick whatever ass she wants. The old guard is tremendous and not even in like a not like in a oh it's a dumb movie to watch when you're high kind of way like it's a it's a legit good action movie. 
Unlike every, like Michael, unlike literally every single other movie we've talked yes. about on this, this is an actual good movie. It slaps and bangs. Also, a Paddington and The Matrix, still good okay. movies. <laughs> okay, and the Boxcar Children solved the death crisis. That was the, like, those, the, the, the three movies that were good. <laughs> the Bernstein Bears uh, stopped Iran Contra. Again, Michael, you didn't play me within the space. I'm not going to allow you back in there now, but I do really, one of the most impactful books of my life, and it was a book and a cartoon that I watched too many times, was um, Baron St. Bears Clean Their Room, and it was about how hiding things under your bed and in your closet ultimately makes your mom really mad, because eventually she's going to be like, oh, wow, you have a clean room, but then she's going to open the closet door and all your stuff's going to fall on her fucking head and ruin her day. And yeah, so like, that true. was really, it's, ne- it's never no, true. It wasn't, no, it wasn't Michael Lewis' cartoon, but it was really impactful for me. But again, mm-hmm. Michael... This is the fucking propaganda. This is the fucking anti-kid parent propaganda that yeah. I was getting as a kid. It was like, listen, if I put my books under my bed when my mom comes to my room or throw all my clothes into my closet, who's getting hurt here? Nobody. What the fuck is happening with the Cold War? I don't know. I'm nine. I, I need to know what is going on. I need to go know what's going on with this with this Watergate thing, and no one no one will tell me as a child. I don't understand. I just hear the word a lot. It sounds bad, Michael. You sh- you could have played with me in the space earlier. I don't know if I want to. I want to. I want to play with you. <laughs> give me give me one more good book. Give me one good book. Oh man, um, I'll take a cartoon too if you want to. Do, if you want to do like Charlie Brown fakes the moon landing, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say uh, Charlie Brown and the Great Chernobyl Pumpkin. Now that's something I could get into. See, because why is the sh- why is the pumpkin glowing? Why is it so big? Fucking Chernobyl. That's why. That's a great point. <laughs> the Tiny Tunes testified before Congress. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did really enjoy Animaniacs when I was too old to actually learn lessons from it, but it is that Animaniacs is, that is, is tremendous. That is the tragic legacy of the Animaniacs, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that they're bringing it back. That like. All of the points made in that show on almost every single level, and maybe a thesis against everything I've said during this episode, is that that show hits so much harder when you actually understand what they're talking about, <laughs> and none of it's good. <laughs> I uh, I started rewatching Animaniacs um, several months ago, and it still it holds up. I'm into it. I mean, there's a new season coming out soon. Yeah, but like, I don't want to watch the new stuff. Oh, sure. You prefer the old hits you didn't understand before. One of the things I've learned is that now that I'm old and when I am uh, in a situation like we are where we're like locked down and and we can't do a whole lot and like the world sucks just giant buttholes. um, Sometimes it it feels really good to go like down like a nostalgia path. Right. So like I randomly came across old. Um, like Conan O'Brien's from the late 90s where they had the commercials still in the recording on YouTube. And it was like, you put it on and you feel like you're in high school again or some shit. And so like Animaniacs, like seeing the old ones, it's like I've seen them, but I see them again and I'm like, ah, I can, I, I can remember what it was like to be a child. That's, yeah. And it feels I so much better than being an adult person in the world today. I mean, Michael, I get that 100%, obviously. Um... But I feel like the new Animaniacs are just going to remind me about the world today, and no one wants that. I, I, I'm hopeful they take a stance and just like, 
we're just here <laughs> maybe to just ruin the lives of the current generation of kids, but not the previous generation of kids that we already ruined the lives of. I guess I just don't want to see a post 9-11 Animaniacs is all I'm saying. <sighs> That's a great point. A post 9-11 post ranger in time Animaniacs. <laughs> Michael, I... So this is something we brought up earlier. I forget exactly why we were going to bring this up, the context, but like speaking of nostalgia and like kid stuff and what you saw as a kid and how it shaped your your world, I feel like I got to talk about the power team because I mentioned oh, this to you. Right. And you didn't I you didn't do know, not it was. know who the power team is. You were going to you you were going to share some article about a guy who can jump onto eggs like a meter high and without breaking them. Okay. Yeah. So the context was going to be People who just do surprising things. <laughs> and like this guy had chosen to be like. discover they can do these weird ass shit? Right. It's just like, oh, I can jump four feet in the air and land on an egg and not sure. break it. Of course. And I knew like I did it enough times to learn the secret of it. I could just do it all the time. And this guy just chose to be like, wow, physics is cool. And I know how to do it. So that reminded me, Michael, of. I'm shocked that you, a fellow Christian young lad, was never exposed to the power team. I was really I, only I was really only going to youth group from the ages of like I'd say thirteen to about seventeen, and probably from about the ages of fifteen through seventeen, I just thought it was all bullshit and only went there because it was a they would give me like food and drinks and there was a pool table. So that would have been that would have put you in like mid to late nineties though for your peak. That is like, true. Yeah, like Windy Gap and like Young Which Lifetime would have been, shit. T- to be hundred percent fair, peak power too. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I did see them and like blocked it out of my memory. There's uh, well, okay, I'm going to describe them to you, and okay. you'll okay. you'll know instantly. <laughs> so here's the headline from Vice.com. This is from a 2015 article. Um, the power team was the bloody evangelical freak show that ruled the 80s what they bent steel and smashed concrete with their skulls while preaching the word of christ to massive audiences two decades later the group was bankrupt so (laughs) michael this was a team of gigantic men like uh, i would say like four to eight gigantic dudes who like i i do not want to like pro wrestling massive idiots um, like bulging veins, big muscles, super excited, just preaching the word of God by, I don't know, say having someone put a block of ice on their chest while they laid down on a, a bed of nails and someone broke the ice with a sledgehammer because Jesus. Yeah, I do not remember that at all. Okay. Again, you would have. <laughs> I feel like, yes, I 100% okay. would have. So I 100% remember seeing these guys live. My dad took me and my brother and I think maybe my sister to see the power team. Um, Again, just like they're still in operation as of July 2020, though, in case you're wondering. Uh, I think they came back. I think they went bankrupt in 2002. Uh, oh, yes. They were on a July 22nd, 2008 episode of America's Got Talent performing stunts, including running through two by fours, bursting into flames and running head and shoulders first into an eight foot wall of ice. Right. Sure. So at at a certain point, they were at eleven million dollar a year episode. Chuck Norris put them on an episode of Walker Texas. Were they like screaming like Jesus as they went through it, or what? So from what I remember, I think I saw them when I was like eight or nine. 
uh, maybe maybe nine or ten because I think I do think my sister was there and she would have been like five or six at the time. Um, they had a show on on TBN, like the Bible Network, obviously. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot of like that huge was the muscle station dudes. that I would always click through on Sundays, and I'd be like, "What the fuck?" and then keep going. Ch- channel Channel Twenty Three, baby. Yeah. Um, so like there would always be some like mulleted dude with a perm like yelling into a <laughs> microphone about like the power of Jesus and how like you could do anything you wanted through this. And then again, it was just physics tricks that like if you are laying on a bed of nails, your body mass is spread up, uh, out enough on the nails that you're not getting hurt and then crushing a block of ice on your chest like you're spreading out the physical force through physics like it's not Jesus, it's just physics. So it's it's all these like they would rip phone books in half. They would like do that dumb shit. It was all these like physical tricks that were like physically uh, impressive, uh. but it was like we're doing all this through the power of Christ. And so the message was that you could too, like feats of athletic uh, athleticism, whatever, physical prowess, but it was it was just like if you knew how to break a hair a pair of handcuffs through like the proper application of torque and pressure, it's not hard. Does- it's just like does Jesus condone the heavy use of anabolic steroids? Because it you know, sounds he never, like he might have been, according to these people. You never, you know, you never see it in like the red text in the King James yeah, that yeah. he like specifically calls out through the word of Christ anabolic steroids. But you know, whatever. Um, the body is a temple, and the temple should be as big as humanly fucking possible. So shoot that shit up into your butt. I mean, Michael, you can't run money lenders out of the temple if you're not swole as fuck. That's true. You can't flip over tables. You can't. Fl- Those tables were fucking heavy, dude. But the weird thing is, so it, like, it was in, it was 80s and 90s. So you got like fucking Schwarzenegger and like <laughs> Dolph Lundgren in movies just being like sweaty and shooting guns. So it's like, well, if we can't compete with that for, you know, the sweet word of the Lord, how do we get some muscle bound freaks in here? some some buttered up muscle boys in here mm-hmm, to just like teach Jesus and you know no Michael no cool kid wants to go to church but hell you know I will watch a grown man blow up a balloon really big <laughs> obviously I'll do that I'll watch him break a brick um so here's just a quote it's so stupid but this is from uh Sorry, one second. This is from Todd Keene, who joined. Of course, the group. his name is Todd. Todd Keene. He he grew up in the early like he grew up in the early nineties. He joined in the early nineties. Um, so his his message was, I don't really care what faith you are. If you're sharing a positive message to young people, what does it matter what my fate is? And when these macho men spoke, kids listen. So Keene says later, quote, I thought Christians were little guys with little pencil protectors in their pocket. Then all of a sudden, here comes the power team smashing bricks, saying it's okay to be manly, to be what God called you to be. So it's like, I don't know in your youth group if there were just like a ton of super manly dudes playing acoustic guitar telling you it's okay to be a dude being guys. But like, that's what they wanted you. Michael, that's what everything was about to be. Quote, Christians don't have to be dorks without Keen summed it up. Honestly, the only thing that made me go back to youth group was that everyone there was a dork. If people had been jacked up like manly man dudes, I could have fucking played on the sports teams instead, but I didn't because all those people sucked ass. They were bad. So, Um, like, why would you want that? So, my youth leader, great dude, great guitar player, but in high school, he was on the cheerleading team. Michael, 
obviously a great guitar player. He's your he was your Christian youth group director. Obviously good at guitar. Actually, he was the first person to um, get me to perform anything on stage. Uh, I I did a contemporary youth service where I played uh, acoustic guitar. I wasn't I wasn't making any statements. I just all I was saying was that. Yes, obviously, your Christian youth group director was a great guitar player. That's all I was saying. Well, my saying. point was that I, at one point, I thought I wanted to be a youth group leader. Boy, how the tables have turned. <laughs> but the thing was, is that I was never really like, I want to be a youth group leader because I want to bring Christ to these people. It was more like, I want to be a youth group leader because this seems dope as hell. You get to like have lock-ins and like play guitar and like shoot pool Hey, and stuff. kids. Hey, kids. Now we're going to watch Paddington and really learn what it says about capitalism and imperialism. This is a big banger, folks, so you're going to want to stay up. Then we obviously will play freeze tag at 11. No problem. Obviously. And we're going to drink 17 surges as we do this lock in. Mm-hmm. There's caffeine free seven up if anyone needs it. Todd, I'm looking at you. I feel like I would make a great youth leader. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like a safe one, too, which is so important. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Michael, the 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 power team was um, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I think it was also. Do they have videos? Oh, they do. Yeah, hold on. Let me find some. Yeah, we gotta find I'm gonna ask YouTube you a question video. though. We're gonna post this yeah, on the I'll, blog. I swear. Um. Yeah. No problem, Michael. <laughs> did your dad do um promise keepers? Oh God, he did that like once or twice. Okay, so uh, I'll just say like that was, the, like it's the '90s were such a time of like men being men and like christian men and taking back like your role as like the leader and being powerful and i would say like my i remember my dad took me to a promise keepers thing in jacksonville at the jaguar stadium in like 95 like brand new jaguar stadium and i remember at the age of eight being like whoa this is fucked up that's a bunch (laughs) of grown men freaking out about the fact that they don't like their wives (laughs) i am so thankful that i was old enough to not be dragged to any of that shit by the time my dad uh was convinced that he wanted to go to it by my mom because i know i know my dad you know my dad there's no way my dad voluntarily went to any event like promise keepers i've i've met the man that we decided to call Hambone. yeah <laughs> so yeah uh no thanks yeah, no, th- no, thank you, please. No th- well, Michael, yeah, we'll, we'll post this on the blog. You should look. You should check this out in your own time. Oh, I'm, while I'm you're looking watching. at the uh, Power Maybe Team Houston, Texas, side. 1998. <laughs> They're about to break so many bricks. The thing is, it's all again. It's just basic physical tricks. Like they break like the concrete blocks in half. Like they walk on nails. Like they. Do. It's basically American gladiators for for God. <laughs> like like that's it's it's. There's nothing to it, but it's like, okay, like if, if I'm 11 and trying to learn, it was like this powerful man in like <laughs> Zubaz pants is talking about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll oh listen. Oh my god, the 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 comments on the YouTube video, I saw them a lot live. I wish someone did a group like this today, is it because I love these guys and they kept me out of trouble. I'm 32. <laughs> I was lucky Jesus. to see them as a kid in third grade. They some bad mojos. I assume mofos, but. I bet, yeah, I bet they meant mojos, but God autocorrected it. <laughs> Imagine being there and watching this on acid. <laughs> Michael, I'm, I'm going to be honest. From what I remember, watching it live, it felt like being on acid as an, as an eight-year-old. That's All right, Michael. 16 I've, minutes. Is that Dan Marino? <laughs> no, okay, Michael, again, 
literally every dude on stage looks like Dan Marino. That is like it is Dan Marino. Like everybody looks like Dan Marino. <laughs> so someone actually has a great comment here. This is from Death Ground from one year ago on this video I sent to you. I remember these guys growing up in Oklahoma City when I was a kid. Not to be a jerk, but the power of Christ they were trialing for all these feats would have been way more impressive if they had all been 120-pound weaklings. <laughs> right? Right? Like, yeah, okay, you're jacked like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course you can rip a phone book in half. Yeah, I'm not interested in a big dude tearing a phone book in half or, like, headbutting a table into three pieces. Like, what if... What if you did that? What if, you know, like, I don't want to see Captain America, Steve Rogers, do it. Exactly. I want to see, like, pre-serum yeah. Steve Rogers, like, with the power of Christ, punch a table. I want to see Bruce Banner do this shit and not the Incredible Hulk, right? Yeah. Give me the science nerd, please. So there is, an, there is a comment on here that says, from Mia Ruiz, 11 months ago, my dad was on the power team. Oh, boy. Somebody responded, was it Scott Ruiz? He, if so, he was awesome. Yeah, that's my dad. Thank your dad for me. I was a non-believer until I was channel surfing one night and found the power team. What? <laughs> Can you imagine, Michael? We need being to find Mia Ruiz and interview her. No, I need to find. No, I don't want to find. I don't want to know anything about Mia Ruiz. I want to know everything about that other commenter. Like, if you're just like high or drunk as fuck in like 2001, just like watching Adult Swim cartoons and then just decided to click through channels and wind up on TBN watching the power team and just this whatever Mr. Ruiz is like hey guess what I'm gonna rip this phone book in half for Jesus and you're like oh fuck I love God I love God so much I love it watching these I love this good Jesus fucking like they're basically the guys from uh world's strongest man yeah, Michael. Other than Mario Lopez good. telling you, other than Mario Lopez telling you about the secret good taste of his lemon herbs and spices, when was the last time you trusted a big dude about anything, like a big muscle muscle dude? Um, The Rock, when he tells me about, to watch anything. Okay, let's take The Rock out of the equation because obviously <laughs> that's unfair. I'll, I will say mine is Diamond Dallas Page. I I saw him mm. order something at a local like. Because uh, he owns the yoga studio here in Atlanta, and uh, I saw him order a bowl at a salad place, and I was like. I'll have what he's Give me a DDP bowl, baby. <laughs> I'll have a DDP bowl. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't ever think that I've trusted a big dude to tell me anything. Yeah, don't trust a big dude. Certainly not about heaven or hell. No. No, not interested. Michael, okay, I think this is going to do its for us on this week on Trends in Low Places. Um, Another more... perfect episode in the books. We nailed it, I think. I had 15 stories that we could talk about. I think we got to two. Yeah, fuck it. And I'm good with that. You know what? And the world sucks. So, yeah. Hey, hey, world. When you stop sucking, maybe we'll do more stories about you. I mean, that would be so choice if people could just stop. Although, Michael, there were some good stories today. Like today, Marvel Studios announced that Alfred Molina is going to come back as Doc- Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, but they're going to find some way to blow it. No, they're... Michael, maybe. <laughs> but also... <laughs> It could be great. It could be great. Actually, that's true. It could, it could be great. It could be a Spider-Verse movie, and fuck it, I'm into that shit. Yeah. You know I am. Anyway, Michael, that's going to do it for this week on Trends in Low Places. Um, everyone, if you've liked this episode, uh, it's because I I was more sober this time. Um, more sober, not fully. The closed um, captioning just, just thought you said Trendzilla Places. Okay, that's a good point too, Mike. We didn't we didn't look at the at the closed caption. We oh, had I've closed been watching it the running. entire time. 
That explains a lot. If there I should have watched more. I just stopped paying attention. It was probably because I was reading whatever the closed captioning was doing. That actually makes so we turned live captioning on the Google Hangout on here, and uh, boy howdy, I so I I Michael I purposely put you full screen on one monitor and all my stories on the other one, mm. so I I I could just like look into your eyes and look at good stories. Mm. Anyway, if you like this episode, mercy upon your soul, and also you can find out more information about. Uh, this show and, and our sister show mercy upon your soul look up the power team on youtube look up the power team they can they can rip a phone book in half and smash you in the in the ears with both of them and you know bless you with the good jesus, power of jesus yeah. his good his good works and all them um but there's another show that we do called longest days of our lives uh and you can't find any additional information about that show or this show at our website than we have had up for approximately the last two years but you can find information about both there at goodbuddymedia.com, the website, yes. which I did not name earlier. I should have done that. Um, it's not a good website. It's not great at telling you what we do or anything <laughs> new coming up or if there's Once like other again, stuff. It's that, like, hey, we leave it up to our webmaster to take care of this stuff and like they never do. Right. But again, Michael, the, the weird thing is the webmaster is me oh. and you. Yeah. I think I think we've asked our good friend Manny Ice, our um, uh, our ombudsman, mm-hmm. um, who sent us some hilarious texts about the pop tabs. Um, I didn't really; it was not a satisfactory defense of his stance for that for me. Um, but I, I recognize that we said we would let him write blog posts, yes. but have never at any point given him access to the website or information about. To be fair, even how to get in there. To be fair, every time I decide that I would like to do something on the blog, which is rarely admit it yeah uh i don't remember how and i have to ask um to be double fair to you and to matt um when i decide that i want to do something which again is very rare i have to go back to the email i got when i signed up for the website four and a half years ago (laughs) to be like what's the login url Got it. Okay, now I'm in. It has so, been. It has been. I mean, we we weren't we weren't going to get too much into this, but it, this is the four year anniversary yeah. coming up here yeah. of when we started this show, and hopefully, the last four years have just they started out sucking and it got worse. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, the next four we're at an idea right now, and maybe the next four are on their way back up. Michael, do you know? Do you know? You knew Mike because you you know you're a happily married man. Do you know what the fourth year anniversary gift is uh do not no no so the traditional, traditional okay the traditional gift is fruit or flowers okay um uh, in the u.s or linen and silk in the uk Ooh. the modern diamonds gifts, appliances <laughs> so, quote electrical so michael <laughs> i kind of do need a new washer dryer set maybe. yeah i mean you know if anyone wants to give us a four-year gift i will take all of the fruits and vegetables wrapped in linen and silk and uh kush will take stuffed all inside of, of yeah <laughs> kush you will take all of the electrical appliances pretty sensible you know laundry set great I could really use an air fryer you know what michael i was just thinking i could use an air fryer or an instant pot either one or yeah, whatever. The thing is, Michael, the air fryer can do it all, baby. That is true. You know, you get the right. Oh, oh man, we made some. We made some onion rings that went from frozen in the air fryer, and they were amazing. So crispy, so delicious, perfect. Michael, l- no joke. Every Black Friday for the last three years, 
I've looked at every single air fryer deal on the internet. I'm like, hmm, sounds pretty good. Yeah. But I don't need it. I don't need another kitchen gadget. Sure but then do. every time I hear someone talk about an air fryer and their sweet, crispy onion rings, I'm like, God damn it. I missed the sales again. You didn't need water to shoot straight up your B-hole either, but that's a, Michael, it. Michael, that's a great point. How you My feeling? big birthday gifts, clean and fresh and delightful. <sighs> my big birthday gifts to myself, I got myself a new phone because my, my previous phone um, would restart anytime I played a podcast or took a picture um, at 40% battery. And that was inconvenient at best. So I got a new phone. I got myself a Fitbit watch so I can track my, so, so I can track my no steps around my apartment every day. What steps are you taking? I don't know why I got that one. I really (laughs) honestly don't. I don't know why I did that one, but I, then I did get a bidet toilet seat and boy, howdy, that one is nice. When you come and move into our garden apartment, you will bring that and I will only use your toilet. Obviously, Michael, it's got a heated seat. Yeah, it's got really heated water. It's got an air dryer. Oh, boy. Oh, top it, of the it, line. So, it, I mean, it's not. That's the thing, Michael. It's not top of the line. It's like, honestly, for what I paid for a toilet seat, <laughs> too much for a toilet seat, <laughs> but not enough for a bidet. And it does <laughs> is so what I'm learning. much. But what I'm learning, Michael, it's like, again, I've learned this as an adult, as an adult who makes money. I've learned that there is a price to pay for luxury. Hmm. And when you want to pay for a modicum of luxury, it's worth paying at least the middle ground <laughs> rather than the bare minimum. Yeah, you don't ever want to play the bare minimum for luxury because it's not really that luxurious. It just ne- it just hints at like, wow, this is an experience that I could enjoy. But mostly it's just you're blasting water at my like thigh and it's like, like okay like i don't even know how you're doing this wrong because like there's a pretty specific target and you have to like yeah, find fine. a new way to sit in order to actually get the bidet in the right the weird place. thing is michael i spend a lot of my time now on the toilet seat moving around yeah. which is not a great experience for me um or really for our listeners at this point you need a robotic but one that can find the hole just every just time. like laser target yeah. just like really just get up you in need there. like anyway, one of those like uh like y-wing x-wing targeting systems to shoot it right down the exhaust shaft mm-hmm. and like shooting weirdly, womp rats michael no joke there again maybe i i did get the top the middle of the line one there is a setting to, that i i think it's just called blaster <laughs> um and on the <laughs> poorly written instructions was literally like this one's to solve constipation <laughs> It's like I never want to use that one ever. That's that's the devil's setting. It solves a problem sure. though. It cleans you right out. Yeah, and I, you know, I I you know, I don't want to touch the devil's setting, but um I'm sure at some point I'm like, oh, well, well, just check it out. I I you know, I'm a little too drunk. I watch Paddington just I'm just going <laughs> to clear myself out. The most important thing though, I think, is that you you haven't told me anyways that this is your thing. And so I'm, I'm hoping, no. so like, at least, you know, one more thing that isn't your thing. So there's that. No, Michael, again, I will say definitively, I have, again, crossed one more kink off my list. It was like, haven't found it yet. See, that's what I would be concerned about. Like, what if I just yeah. never get off the bidet? That would be, I mean, I, I guess Michael, I don't have a job, so buying, it doesn't matter, whatever. At this point, yeah. Like, Michael, if I saw you getting very, very into the hot tub <laughs> with like powerful jets, I'm like, Nobody's up to over there, but he's he is unemployed. So yeah, <gasps> Michael, how else can people help us out? You can help us out by finding. Did us. I actually say the name of the website? You did. Goodbuddymedia.com. Okay. dot org. No, weirdbutsonline.com. <laughs> weirdbutsonline.com. 
also the doppelgang.com. Um, you can find us on the social medias on Twitter at T I L P cast, um, or on, uh, I think Instagram at T I L P cast, uh, Technically, we're on Facebook, but since both of us do no do not ever go on Facebook because it is a cesspool of misinformation and old Trump supporters uh, and youngster of Trump supporters at this point, just white supremacists for days. We don't go on Facebook, so if you try to contact us on Facebook, we probably will not see it for many, many days and or weeks. Yeah, it's um, not the best. You can also uh, goodbuddymedia at gmail dot com is our email address if you want to send us. Uh, you know, stories or just anything. I don't know. Shout out. Um, just a good job, guys. Yeah, I mean, like we're not we're not expecting no that we're not expecting, we're not expecting that one thing. Yeah. Um, I think. Oh, you can also find us on the podcast apps. Obviously, um, if like I don't normally listen to the the podcast on Spotify, but I might need to start just so the next year when they do the Spotify like year end review, um, you can get some cool like tilt information or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's actually a thing. If you could just like open up a secondary Spotify account and just stream trends in little places, nonstop. And I guess I guess long as stays just on on a loop, that'd be fine. You just just stream them constantly. Um, it really does nothing that I am aware of other than makes us look better yeah and that's it and that's like that's literally this is a very this is michael we don't make a lot of self-serving requests no but this is definitely one of them it just makes me feel better as a person if if we show up in one person's spotify raps 2021 and you tweeted us like frankly honestly Hell, I'll send you a hundred dollar check. I'll do that right now. <laughs> like, if 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 we are in anyone's top five podcast listens to of twenty twenty one, goddamn guarantee you have to have a full. F- you have to have a full top five though. If it's just like you've only listened to our show once and that's the only podcast you've listened to, it doesn't count because I technically we are number two on my Spotify, but I've only listened to two podcasts on Spotify, and one is my favorite murder, and that's only because I happened to start the podcast on our road trip. Michael, did you even think to tweet at my favorite murder that, wow, one and two, I listened to these both equally. Hmm. That would have been a good idea, though. Maybe Karen Kilgariff would be like, wow, what's this great show that's on par with mine? They do have a they do have a, a new podcast network that would be cool to be on. Michael, we have our fucking own podcast network. This is Good Buddy Media, The Empire. <laughs> How do you like? Come on, man! It's like you don't even know our own dream. Yeah, How but like, you? but like, they we could be like a sub empire, and they're larger, much more successful, and much more powerful and richer empire. And then at some point, we can leave to do our own thing. Like, uh, I don't like the John Lennon you- of the Beatles, obviously. I don't think you get how empires work. Sure, they, sure you do. You you undermine an empire that already exists, and then you just take over all the stuff they had, and it's way easier. I don't want to do true crime. <laughs> <laughs> we already kind of do, though. I mean, we talked about uh, we've talked about the foot crime thing. We've talked about Michael. The only true crime I want to do is penises. Heists. Talked about heists, heist story, the golden toilet heists are all I want to talk about. Peanut heist, I'm in. All right, Michael, I think that's going to do it for us as we're going to turn to places. I didn't but tell one, him you should give us a, a, oh. a review and a rating. Five stars. Oh, yeah, do that. Do that. Also, I, I do want to clarify, the first person 
who tweets at us in 2021 with their Spotify wrapped <laughs> as us in their top five. That's the only person getting a hundred dollars from me. The first person, don't you? D- I, I can't. I can't. It's one person. I'm not made of money. We have no ads on this show. This is a money pit for me. I have 15 novelty URLs. I spend 400 dollars a year on this show. I make nothing. I love getting the emails. It's like your domain name for Weird Butts Online is renewing soon. You're like. Oh, okay. There's another hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Glad I did that. I'm certainly not going to get rid of it, though. I lose so much money on this show. It's not even funny. So one person, <laughs> one person gets a hundred dollars. And the worst part, Michael, then I'm going to call this shot. It's, it's going to be, be fucking my sister. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> my sister's going to bilk a hundred bucks out of me. I know it. You can just give it to her as a Christmas present. Yeah. And I will. I won't give her anything else. Vulgar. <laughs> Nothing fucking else. So, Michael, you had something else to tell everybody. I did. A, an email address. <laughs> I did. I said that one already. GoodBennyMedia at gmail.com. I was so distracted by the Spotify thing. Um, this says already good but immediate.com on the These captions are not good, but or also am I really slurring my speech? <sighs> That's something to consider. Everyone, if you've liked this episode, I love you to death and thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great Christmas. We're going to try maybe to do one more episode, but no promises. Um, Definitely not. But if we don't, if we don't, happy Christmas, Merry New Year, and we love you. Thank you for listening. Michael, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure talking with you. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. Toodles. I'm Jimmy Stewart. It's a wonderful life, Mr. Potter. It's a wonderful life, Mr. Potter. I don't know. Where's all my money? Merry Christmas, Movie House. Merry Christmas, Emporium. Where's my goddamn money, Mr. Potter?